Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Let's turn into our scripture. We're going to Luke 12, verses 22 through 34. We're continuing in this uh, series in Luke, and we're continuing to follow Jesus as he travels through the countryside, now making his way through toward Jerusalem. Right, there, there's a teaching, we're going to talk a little bit about this, but right before Jesus tells people not to worry, he tells this parable of a rich fool, a guy who has all of this money and hoards it up and doesn't spend it because he dies. And so Jesus says to the, the, the crowds, they're all wrestling and jostling around, and he says to those who are paying attention, he says to his disciples, treasure the kingdom's treasures. Don't treasure the world's treasures. Because wherever you put your attention, wherever you put your faith, that is going to be where your faith leads you. And it's immediately after that that Jesus says this passage here on worry. It's within that context of treasure and how we treasure and what we treasure and to what priority we hold that treasure. Let's jump in verse 22. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor and spin, i.e. they don't earn it. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, thrown into the fire because they would use it to warm their homes, not because it's being punished, is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all such things, and your father knows you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart heart will be also. Friends, if you will please join me, let's center our minds and hearts in prayer. God, as we come to turn our attention to you, we cannot help but say thanks for the little feet that stomp ahead and for all of the blessings that you have given us through children, through new generations, through new life, a life that you just insist and insist upon making new and new again. 
We pray, God, that as we come to you now, that we will hear your truth, that we will surrender all of our worries and distractions and doubts, and that we instead will allow ourselves to be enveloped by your voice, by your love, that we will allow ourselves to be consumed by what is true and valuable. We pray, Lord, that even though we are so weak and imperfect, even though we make stupid choices and we make dumb decisions, we pray that now we will rest in our identity as your children and your friends, as people who you have asked to come along with you in this inbreaking of the kingdom, and that we might surrender ourselves wholly to it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So of the four Gospels in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, three of those four Gospels are referred to as the synoptic Gospels, with a synoptic meaning that three of them, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, often include very similar content and tell very similar stories. And they often record these stories in a similar order, with similar emphases, in a similar wording. They're called the synoptic gospels because they are similar. They synthesize the same thing, whereas the book of John sort of marches to the beat of his own drum. However, even though Matthew, Mark, and Luke are all very similar, they're not identical. And our scripture today is a really good place to see some of their differences. Even though all three synoptic gospels include a lesson on heavenly treasure and earthly treasure, so in Luke, our passage for today, this parable is about that wealthy man who hoards all of his assets only to die before he could enjoy them. Only Matthew and Luke follow up that lesson with Jesus' teaching about the detriment of worry, which this lesson that, you know, Matthew and Luke include this long monologue on worry and not worrying, Mark doesn't. And that's not really surprising because Mark is always in a rush. He doesn't have any time to write down any monologues. He probably wasn't listening. He doesn't talk about anything too much. Just get it over and done with. Jesus is always on a run. Not so much. He has more time in Matthew and Luke. So in Matthew, Jesus preaches this lesson as part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's right at the pinnacle of what that Sermon in the Mount should be. It's the most important thing that he wants people to know. But in Luke, Jesus isn't teaching about worry in the context of a sermon. Rather, he's sharing his thoughts on worry after being asked to settle a dispute between two brothers who are arguing over their inheritance. All that said, even though Matthew and Luke have different specific circumstances for Jesus talking about worry... In both places, in both books, Jesus is only teaching about worry to follow up a teaching on how faithful people are supposed to be shaping their priorities around material wealth. In Luke today, one of two brothers shouts out from the crowd. He says this, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. To which Jesus replies with sort of a dismissal saying this, this is from the message, Mister, what makes you think it's any of my business to be a judge or mediator for you? And after saying that, he turns to the crowd and says, take care, protect yourself against the least bit of greed. Life is not defined by what you have, 
even when you have a lot. Only then, after saying that, does he get to this passage that we're in today, teaching his disciples about worry. And this is how the message puts the beginning of his teaching. Jesus says this, Don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes, or if the clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your inner life than the food you put in your stomach, and there is far more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. I love that. From there, Jesus teaches us three lessons about the detrimental effects of worrying, and that's what we're going to go through today. Three things that Jesus wants us to know about worry and what happens when we indulge worry in our lives. One, worry warps our perspective. Worry warps our perspective. Worry warps our generosity. Number two, it warps our generosity. And three, worry warps our attentiveness. It warps our attentiveness. We're going to spend a lot of time on number one and just a little bit of time on number two and three. Because if we get number one paid attention to, that worry worry will warp our perspective then this other two points about our generosity and our attention will fall into place. So let's start there. Worry warps our perspective. And so friends, I'm going to say this now because it is the most important part of anything that I'm going to be talking about today. If you are someone who struggles to pay attention for more than just a few minutes, if you've had one of those weeks and you got five minutes and that's it, and then you're checking out and you're doing something else, you're writing your to-do list, you're worried about what's going to happen in the week. If I've got only five minutes of your time before you check out, activate those five minutes now. <laughs> if you don't hear anything else that I say, I want you to hear this. You're going to have to stick with me. Are you ready? How does worry warp our perspective? We're going to go back to scripture. Jesus says this. He says, consider the ravens. That's how he starts. They do not sow or reap. They do not have a storeroom or a barn. And yet God feeds them. Now, you know what's interesting about this example that Jesus is using concerning ravens? Ravens were listed as an unclean animal in scripture. Leviticus 11, Leviticus loves rules. You would think Presbyterians would love Leviticus. Oddly, we're not very familiar with it. But Leviticus loves listing things. And so in it, in Leviticus 11, it includes a really long list about all of those critters that were unclean, which includes some flying creatures too. Eagles, vultures, kites, owls, gulls, hawks, cormorants, osprey, stork, heron, bats. And right in the middle of all of them, God lists any kind of raven, any kind of raven. So that meant that ravens were supposed to be avoided because they were seen as having no value for holiness. In the opinion of many Jews in Jesus' day, ravens weren't worth anyone's time and attention, not even God's. So imagine, imagine the disciples' surprise when Jesus insists that God cares about the ravens. Imagine their reaction when they hear that the unclean is not abandoned by God. Consider the ravens, Jesus says. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them. What? He feeds them? 
To their ears at first century, as first century Jews, this is just crazy talk. And then Jesus goes on. He says, how much more valuable are you than birds? Silly. That's sort of the tone that it comes across in. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why are you worrying about the rest? Worry warps our perspective and leads us to forget that we are valuable to God. Worry warps our perspective and leads us to forget that we are valuable to God. What Jesus is highlighting here with the ravens is sort of simple cause and effect. Because forgetting that we are valuable to God is detrimental not only to ourselves as Christians, as people, but it's also detrimental to the people around us and to the creation that we are charged in Genesis to be good stewards of. I want to give you an example of how Jesus is highlighting here a simple cause and effect. I want to tell you a true story told to me several years ago by a man I respect, but it's a story that I have been told over and over and over again in one way or another by many congregants over the years, both male or female. This man, he was worried about his success in the world, about money for his family, about legacy for his name, about pride in his abilities. And so he assuaged his worries by working really, really hard. After years of work and stress and perseverance, he started to see the fruit of this worry and hard work. He made a good salary. He was respected in his field. He began to feel more confident in his skills and what he would offer the world. His worry, it turned out, was producing amazing results. And then suddenly, for reasons that didn't have to do with him, that man was fired. And all that he had built for himself disappeared in an instant, all of a sudden he realized that all of the things that he thought were under his control never were. He could work as hard as he wanted. He could spend as much worry as he could muster into shaping his life into what he wanted it to be. But in the midst of all of that, he forgot that he had no control over when it would be taken away. After all that worry, after all of that stress and strain, it was never under his control. The control was always God's. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? That man realized in that moment that he couldn't add anything to his life, not anything that would last, unless God's hand was directing it. My friends, the effect of that man's story and the worry of so many others that have a similar story, the effect was the belief that if he was going to get anything good in his life, then no one was going to do it for him. He was going to have to do it alone. And so in the process of being consumed by that worry, he forgot how valuable he was to God. He thought that his work was the only thing that gave him value. He forgot that he was never alone. He forgot that he was never asked to prove himself, not by God or anyone else around him. He forgot that he was loved wholly and completely for what he did, not for what he, not for what he did, not for what he achieved, not for what he could offer others, but loved wholly and completely simply because he was God's, 
created and adored by an eternal father. Worry changed his perspective, he told me. And in the process of forgetting that he was valuable to God, he forgot that those around him were also valuable to God. He spent less and less time with friends, less and less time with family, the family he so desperately wanted to provide for. He spent less and less time with the creator that had called him into that profession to begin with. His worry brought nothing but loneliness for him, for his friends and for his family, Even though his worry was going to be the thing that provided him all he ever wanted, it turned out that the worry was the thing that was isolating him the most. And his only way out of it all was in God taking it away. I asked permission to share that man's story today because I know his story very well. I lived it with him because that man is my husband, Andy Lower. Who of you, by worrying, can add anything to your life. He will be the first one to tell you, not me. Worry warps our perspective. It's the only point that I want you to remember. You are valuable to God, not because of what you can do, not because of what you provide, not because of how hard you work, not because of anything that you have achieved for yourself. You are valuable to God, way more valuable than birds. If we lose that perspective, we lose everything else. So that's the first point. And I told you it was really long, but the second two are really short. So if you have, you know, a couple more minutes of that attention, you don't have to take it away. Number two, (laughs) worry warps our generosity. Worry warps our generosity. Jesus continues on in his teaching and he says this. Notice how the lilies grow. They don't wear themselves out with work. They don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon in all his splendor wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses the grass of the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will God do for you, O you of weak faith? And in these few sentences, and they are, they're just a few, they're so quick, we can skip over them and think they're poetry if we're not paying attention. In these few sentences, Jesus is sharing with us something really important about God's character, about how God interacts and moves in the world. Jesus is showing us who God is right here. God is wastefully generous. God is wastefully generous. Whereas you or I probably do a quick cost analysis anytime we're asked to give anything that is in our possession, asked to give of our time, asked to give of our money, our attention, our compassion. We do a cost analysis for pretty much everything that we have. But God doesn't. God will pour out God's most beautiful work onto something that isn't going to last, into something that will be overlooked and missed, into something that can be trampled in a second, which is good news for us, isn't it? Because that means that God might pour God's most beautiful work into us, people who do not last, people who sometimes are overlooked and missed, people who sometimes can just be trampled in a second. God is wastefully generous. 
I know there's a woman that I know, a congregant of mine, who knew this better than anybody else. Her name was Frances, is Frances. She's in her mid-90s. Frances lives alone in her house. She has caretakers who come in and watch over her. She's not able to leave. She has a hard time standing up. She's still able to get herself ready in the morning, and so what she does is she sits up in her bed, and she gets herself ready, and then she sits there and reads the paper and looks out the window. And whenever I would visit Frances, Frances would say this. I'd say, how are you, Frances? And she said, well, I am doing just so wonderfully. And I'd say, well, that's terrific, Frances. What'd you do today? And she said, nothing. And I'd say, well, that sounds nice, I suppose. And she said, you know what? There's not a day that goes by for a long time. There wasn't a day that went by where I didn't wonder why God still had me on this earth. I'm in my mid-90s. I can't do anything. I can't go anywhere. I can't give anyone money. I can't give anyone my, my attention or my energy or my effort. I have none to give. She said, but then one day I was sitting and I was looking out the window and I was noticing the little bird that was hopping around on the tree. And I was looking at the flowers and the sunshine and I realized maybe that's why God has me here on earth because someone has to appreciate it. Someone has to see it. Someone has to notice it. I think I learned more from Francis than I learned from anyone else in my life. She's right. God is wastefully generous. All for our enjoyment. All for our appreciation all for our gratitude. And thinking about Francis brings me into our third point and our last point, is that worry warps our attention. Worry warps our attention. Listen to how Jesus closes this teaching on worry with the disciples today. He says this, Don't chase after what you will eat and what you will drink. Stop worrying. All the nations of the world long for these things. Your Father knows that you need them. Instead, Desire his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Don't be afraid, little flock, he says, because your father delights in giving you the kingdom. Now, what is the first thing that we know when someone says, don't be afraid in the Bible? What's the first thing we know? How are people acting? Afraid. They're afraid, right? So when Jesus says, don't be afraid. He's pointing out something to the disciples and to us. Worry is deeply and inextricably connected to fear. Fear is the, the fear that we will not be provided for or the fear that caring for others is going to cause us detriment, a fear that we are going to miss out what God is doing in our midst. And Jesus covers all of these in one fell swoop. Friends, Jesus says here that God has been pleased to give us the kingdom. Not to like give us the kingdom once we've earned it, once we've proved that we are good stewards of it. Not to give us the kingdom when we're ready, you know, when we've finally done all the things that we want to do and now we have time to pay attention to that kingdom. God is pleased to give us this kingdom now, as in it's already happening as in the kingdom is already being handed over to us, even in this moment, even as we sit here, God is dishing out handfuls of the kingdom to you and me. So the question is, are we attentive in receiving it? 
Or are we still consumed with providing for another kingdom that demands our feverish attention and demands our feverish worship without any pay? My friends, Francis was receiving the kingdom. Worry warps our attentiveness. Worry warps our attention. I want to close by saying this. We do worry. That's just a fact of life. As create parts of creation, fallen parts of creation that are human, we worry, we fear, we question. We don't have to be the people who stop that from welling up within us. We can't. It's just like breathing. It happens. We experience those things. But what we can do is adjust the way that we respond when worry wells up within us. If we can remember that worry warps our perspective, that worry warps our generosity, and that worry warps our attention, then we can participate in the kingdom by readjusting how we approach those things. Changing the way that we interact with worry is participating in the kingdom that is already being handed over to us. If you worry that you are worried and that you won't be able to stop your worry, stop it. We can. We can participate in the kingdom today, every day, in big things and little things. Because, friends, God is already handing it over. If you feel like you aren't worth God's time, if you feel like you have no value of holiness, if you feel like there's nothing that can be done, remember this. No amount of worry is going to change the value that you have in God. May we be the people who go out there and remind the rest of the world that the same is true for them. Amen? Amen. Amen. Friends, one of the things that we have joy in doing, particularly as we come close to the Thanksgiving holiday, is to think about the many things that God has given us, the things that we are grateful for, that we didn't earn ourselves, but that we have been blessed with by no work of our own. In your uh, order of worship today, you'll see you should have a little wooden clip and you should have a little strip of paper that's colored in it's yellow or orange or red. I invite you in our time of reflecting on gratitude for you to take a moment to pray, to think about the things that consume you and worry, and to, in response, think about something that you are grateful for that is only offered to you because of the work that Jesus did on the cross, freeing us from all of the things that bind us, If you need a pen, we have ushers who are around here with pens. If you're missing a paper or you're missing a clip, tell the ushers that are milling around. Just raise your hand and they will come and give you what you need. And then as you write that down, as you finish reflecting, we invite you to come up to the cross, take your paper and clip it on there with your clip and then return back to your seat in a spirit of reflection. Jan then will come up and will unite us together in saying our ancient prayer for today. Friends, I invite you, open your hearts to God and to his wonderful blessings. May we give thanks for all that he has given us.